Welcome back to the Foul Balls NHL podcast. I'm here with Jordan Kaminsky to break down the seven-game slate for Thursday night hockey. Start off with the Oilers-Devils game. And the Oilers have been pretty disappointing this year, but they take on a Devils team that has been pretty lucky, so it's definitely a good spot for them. The Devils are poor defensively, but have really good goaltending. So it's a little bit tricky figuring out what to do with that matchup. I guess there's a lot of upside if Schneider has a bad game, as always, but at the very least, there should be a lot of shot opportunities. So I'm sort of interested in the Edmonton side, but it's it's not the safest of spots, I guess is what I'm saying. There's uh, there's definitely risk here. So do you like the Oilers at all, or do you think that we have to pay up somewhere else? Yeah, if I'm paying up tonight, I'm going to be paying up for the Oilers. Um, they're $100 cheaper than St. Louis, so basically the exact same price. I think that everyone's going to be on St. Louis in terms of ownership, and I think Edmonton on the road is a good spot to kind of go expensive but be a little bit contrarian for sure. Yeah, the uh, the annoying thing with Edmonton is Drysaddle not playing on the first power play with McDavid anymore. That's just the worst. Um, there There is some interest here for the Devils side because – Kind of, I think it probably is somewhat of a trend that the Oilers are not that good defensively, but the Devils have been priced up so much with Heashier over five thousand, Palmieri at five thousand, and Taylor Hall at seventy three hundred. We we were talking about fading the Devils the other day because of their prices. I I think yeah, sticking to the idea that you, I, I I don't know if we can use the Devils the rest of the season because they cost way more than they should. So it's it's, it's just. Crazy. When you look at the Devils at 17-4, you could pay up a little bit more. You can go Calgary's number one line for 18-6. I mean, Calgary at home against Detroit is such a better spot than the Devils have been, like we said, the luckiest team in the NHL. And they've been, for expected goals against, they're one of the worst teams in the NHL. So I just don't get how anybody wouldn't think that Edmonton's in a, in a good spot here. It's just the Devils have been good, so if you're looking purely at results, the Devils yeah. seem like a good team. And Edmonton's uh, been disappointing. Yeah, so there's absolutely no reason to use the Devils. I think Cam Talbot is interesting at 7,300, but I'd probably only use him as a correlation goalie with the Oilers because there probably are a couple of goalies that are better to use than him. Um, but Talbot, if you're using the Oilers, I have no problem with that. And yeah, it's not, it's not that expensive of a team, and there are a lot of cheaper lines that are in good spots tonight. So I'm, I'm considering the Oilers. I think they're, they're a decent play. Let's uh, we'll move to the next game. I think this is a really interesting spot with the Blackhawks in Philly against the Flyers. There's one important injury. Rodko Gudas is questionable. I think he actually might be doubtful now, but that's something to monitor because the Flyers have a couple really good defensemen, but I think he's the best one defensively. And there's a lot more, expected output for shots on goal for potential goals if he doesn't play. So the Blackhawks also have shifted their lines. I think this was announced a couple days ago, but they haven't played a game with their new combinations yet. Patrick Sharp, who people probably know as one of the best scorers in the league from several years ago, has been playing on the third line all year, but now he's up on the first line with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze, who I think also weren't playing together at all. Taze was on the first line and Kane was on the second line. So they've put three guys together who haven't been playing much together. And 
it's not so much that I think the shakeup is going to unite them in some way where they're playing with a new line combination and that's going to lead to more success for that reason. It's just the Blackhawks have really condensed their scoring into a top-heavy approach where they now have three offense-first players playing together and the prices on the three guys are pretty reasonable. So I, I think that that's probably a low-owned spot. It'll be a low-owned spot and there's a lot of offensive potential there, especially if the Flyers' defense is weakened by this injury. Yeah, I mean, I definitely like uh, Chicago here. I'm looking at their expected goals for their middle of the road. They're right about 13th. But like you said, that scoring was really spread out. And to now stick it all on one line is really good for us for uh, daily fantasy purposes. Um, I'm trying to find their price real quick. Uh, it's 18.1. So, I mean... If you told me you could pay $700 more for Taze, Kane, and Sharp than you could for the Devils' first line, I would have thought you were crazy. But, um, yeah, no, that's that's a really exciting spot. Also, like you said, Gudis might be out. And Philly just has been not that great defense. I mean, they're great in terms of their um, defenseman scoring. But in terms of their expected goals allowed, they're not one of the better teams. So I'm not worried about their... Uh, Defense taking care of the uh, first line there. Uh, yeah, they're twenty fifth. They're twenty fifth in the league in expected goals against. Right, there are That's a few teams track. where they have really good defensemen, but the defensemen are good because they contribute to the offense. That's that's the case here. This is not a good defensive defenseman team. It's just a lot of good puck movers. And if one of them's out, then more time in the Flyers zone for the Blackhawks top line. And then also Cody Franson makes the Blackhawks a little more interesting. He's He's on the first power play unit, so when you're using forwards and you need a cheap defenseman to pair them with, that's actually easier than using Seabrook or Duncan Keith. Duncan Keith is about, he's 1,900 more than Franson, um, and Keith is now on the second power play. So the Blackhawks have become cheaper because of that, but I also think that it could be viable to go for a full team stack here because there's no power play correlation on the first line. Uh, the, Kane plays on the first power play, Taze and Sharper on the second. So if you mix the top two lines, you probably need to fill in very cheap defensemen from other teams to make the salaries work. But because the power plays are split up across the top two lines, I think that that is a viable strategy for extra correlation. Yeah, I got it. First off, I got all flustered there because I had to friggin' refresh goddamn Corsica again. I hate <laughs> this site. Always have to refresh. But um, no, yeah, I definitely agree. That's an awesome spot. A first first pair defense, uh, first power play defenseman for that cheap is always a great spot. Um, we saw it with McKeown at twenty five hundred the other night. I think I got five points out of them. Uh, that was amazing at twenty five hundred. So this is another one of those spots. Really cheap defenseman just coming up. Now he's going to be on the first power play. Um, again, really great for DFS purposes. So then for the Flyers side. I think there is a case to be made for using them, but they're very expensive, especially on the top line. I think they're actually the most expensive team for the night, or right up there. It's 20.3K, so it's a yeah. little bit less than both Edmonton and St. Louis, but they're not as good as those teams, and Corey Crawford's been good this year, even though the Blackhawks haven't been that good defensively. Um, so you could consider the Flyers, but I think I just like the Blackhawks side better. So I probably won't have much Flyers exposure for that reason. And if Gudas doesn't play, then that's just less offensive time for Philly, presumably. 
so that's that's a bit of a downgrade too. Um, so I'll say I'm considering the Flyers' first line, but I don't feel that confident in them. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned Crawford. Crawford at 7,400. I think he's one of my um, probably going to be one of my heavier goalie plays along with Cam Talbot. I know you don't like Talbot as much as I do tonight. I know you said you're probably going to only mix him in, um, but I think I'm probably going to be pretty heavy on uh, Crawford and Talbot at 73 and 7,400 especially just wanting to fit Edmonton into a bunch of these lineups. I know we have a lot of secondary lineups we like and not too many expensive ones that we're willing to pay up for. So, yeah, I think that those two goalies on the cheaper side, and I don't really see any value. The guys you'd have to pay up for, Mike Smith, no thanks. Ryan Miller, definitely not. Quick, I'll probably have a little quick. It's, he's not that much more expensive. But, yeah, so that's what I'm looking at in terms of goalies. Okay, moving on. The highest total on the slate is actually two teams that aren't really known for scoring. Um, kind of weird seasons for both. So the Wild against the Canadians. Minnesota's dealt with a lot of injuries this year. Niederreiter was out for a few weeks, but he's back now. And then with the Canadians, still no carry price. Um, the the Minnesota first line of Eric Stahl with Zucker and Stewart, they had a really strong game last night. And I think they'll be a lot higher owned than the Koivu, Niederreiter, Gramlin line. I think there is some intrigue for the second line. They're not that expensive and probably very low-owned. Montreal's been really good the last few games, probably the last two weeks or so, but they haven't been that good defensively. They've played in a lot of higher-scoring games. So I think the Koivu line could be a sneaky spot. And then for Montreal, there's two solid lines here with, with no power play correlation. The second line especially, though, with Druin, Lekin, and Galchenyuk, that's just a really good line for not a lot of money. It's 15.8K, or 13.8K overall. So that's just a really cheap line for a lot of scoring talent. It's a little tough going against Dubnik, who may actually not start. I think he started last night, and this is the second night of a back-to-back. Last night's game was on the road. This one's also on the road. So we may see an announcement that uh, Minnesota's backup, Staylock, ends up playing instead, and then it's a bump for Montreal. So that's something to monitor. But I think the second line for both teams is a pretty good direction for this game. For Montreal's side of it, I love both the first and second line again. Um, I think they're both such you know good, cheap options, especially with Minnesota being in the second of a back-to-back. I think that we can get a lot of offense out of those Montreal lines that we were hoping to get the other night. Um, I know we talked about it before. I don't want to have to go back to Corsica. But uh, we know that their Corsi 4 percentage is one of the highest in the league. Their goals for uh, expected percentage is one of the highest in the league. And so, yeah, this is a team I'm definitely going to be rostering a lot, especially with those Edmonton stacks where it's going to be a little bit more expensive. Uh, And like you said about Minnesota, I don't really have interest in that first line, um, but I definitely have interest in that second line that correlates with the first power play, Koivu, Granlin, Niederreiter. And that's only 15.7. So while I do like Montreal, I'm definitely not in on Lindgren as a goalie. So I think this game could have a little bit of a back-and-forth pace, even though Minnesota did play last night. So um, I'll have a lot of Montreal and a little bit of that Minnesota, too. While I did get burned using Minnesota, too, over that Zucker-Stall line last night, I'm going back to the well. Yeah, they're due to have a good game after the first line was good last night. That's always important in DFS to realize who's due and who's not due. 
Um, okay, I think that now we can go. Well, let me make sure it's the next game in order on DraftKings because we all and know, and it is. Makes us want to vomit this game. <laughs> oh, I'm so scared of it. Okay, well, I think I've realized I'm I'm probably going to be doubling down here in terms of the goalie. There is no chance that the Blues aren't astronomically owned for this slate. The Penguins did reasonably well against the Coyotes in their last game at home. None of the production came from the Crosby line, but the Malkin line had three goals, and they were really high-owned. So for that slate, it was it was there were a larger number of games. I think it was a nine-game slate. And all of the Penguins players on the top two lines were at least 15%. I think Sidney Crosby was around 25%, and he finished with 0.0 points. But the Malkin line had three goals, so I don't think anyone's going to be scared off using a team at home against the Coyotes as for for that result. And Ronto was actually pretty good in that game, only giving up three goals after, especially two of them were scored in the first, I think, two minutes of the game. Um, he definitely played well, and the Coyotes are just really underrated overall because of their record. I think it took them nine games to actually get a win this year. And the Blues also have been on fire lately. They scored two, I think maybe three goals from their top line last game against the Devils. They were in winning lineups last weekend. Uh, the Tyrosenko line has just been crazy good recently. So that's going to be a very obvious spot for most people, and just because random things happen, I think it's possible that Antti Ranta has a huge game against them and doesn't give up a lot of, maybe he doesn't give up any goals. So if we're not using the Blues, I think it only makes sense to double down in tournaments and use Ranta. I probably won't do it in every lineup, but I'm going to say he's my favorite goalie just because I won't be using the Blues' top line. Um, the Blues' second line makes sense. Steen, Stasny, and Sabotka are good players, and... In lineups where I don't have Ranta, I'll be more inclined to use them. Um, so definitely fading the first line, some exposure to the second, and then Stefan Keller and Domi are back together for Arizona line one. So that's awesome. They all play on the top power play, and I definitely have a lot of interest there against, uh, the last thing to mention, Carter Hutton is starting for the Blues in net over Jake Allen. So extra extra potential offense for Arizona. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree we have to fade St. Louis one again. It's one of those things where it's like we talked about in the last episode where it's just you got to fade them and you might be wrong. But at the end of the day, on, when we are right that one time, it's going to end with us being first and second place in these tournaments as opposed to when you go with them and mix in some decent people, you might end up in the top 100, but you know, you're winning nothing. So... Yeah, no, I definitely agree. We're fading that first line. I actually do like that uh, we got Domi back on the first line. So now we get that power play correlation with uh, Domi, Stepan, and Keller. Um, it is a little bit more expensive than I would like. I think it's right around 15. It is 15K. Um, so obviously a little bit more expensive than I'd like with Keller getting up there in price. Um, but I think that was St. Louis, second game of a back-to-back. Arizona, that line, it has a ton of firepower. I don't think people realize how many shots on goal that line gets and just how much they are pushing play. So, yeah, I'll definitely be having a little bit of Stepan Keller Domi. And uh, you've definitely convinced me on Ranta, um, especially at 6,900. I'm looking at that. That's pretty enticing. I mean, you're correct. With the effect of, um, let me look up his stats, against. Uh, Against Pittsburgh on Tuesday, he saw 37 shots and only gave up those three goals. And so, 
I, I think it's actually a pretty solid uh, contrarian start. And you know St. Louis, at the end of the day, that first line, that second line, they're going to get their shots. But if Ronta is able to make the stops and end up with another 30-something save night and maybe get a win to add on to it, I mean, that's going to really put you in a nice spot with a, in a GPP. Yeah, there's just no value in tournaments to playing a team that projects to have this much ownership. I'm going to predict that the St. Louis first line is all owned between 30 and 40%, and Tarasenko might even top 40. I think this is going to be the highest owned spot of the year so far. Um, so I have definitely zero interest there. And then yeah. as far as the as far as the betting line, actually, there's some interesting information here. So the Blues opened at minus 245. The line is only minus 210 for them now. Part of that is because Jake Allen's not starting and it's a downgrade at goalie. But also there's definite sharp action with this reverse line movement. So 84% of the public is on the Blues and the line has still gone 30%, 30 cents against them. That's a really strong line movement for Arizona. So not only are they really contrarian, the wise guys in Vegas actually seem to like them too, which is always a nice indicator for us. So I think it's reasonable that Arizona actually wins the game. Um, I, I may end up convincing myself to just go all in Ronta because I won't have the St. Louis first line and maybe play a little bit lighter tonight and just take a, take more of a risky move. Um, but the other thing too is that we like a lot of different lines tonight. There are yeah. a few that we've mentioned. There are a bunch actually that we've mentioned already that we want to use and we'll get to a few more. So I think it makes sense to go risky by fading the blues, but then sort of mitigate the risk a little bit by diversifying a lot with other lines because there are a lot of teams in fairly similarly good spots aside from the blues. So if you're not using them anyway, you can kind of combat some of that risk by maybe using six to eight other lines in various combinations. Not as much of a narrow focus for this slate as usual, but because we're fading such heavy chalk, I'm okay with having a lot of different teams in various lineups. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the expensive lines we like, we're about to get to one of them next, at least one that I like. I'm not sure how you feel, but I don't think you like Detroit, so I think you agree with me on that. But um, the expensive lines we like are really only going to be Edmonton and Calgary. But our cheap lines that we like, we have... Montreal's one and two. We have St. Louis's two, Calgary two, LA's one and two, Vancouver's number one. There are so many cheap lines. Oh, and I didn't even say uh, Minnesota's number two. So there are so many spots here that we like that are going to be on the cheap side. Um, yeah, I think we're going to be able to have a lot of um, diversification in this lineup. And if St. Louis ends up losing, I, that's why I'm not going to go all in on Ronta, just because I don't want to get totally burned if that St. Louis two does, you know, put in a few and you know can't can't be crazy. You you'd be crazy to think Tarasenko might not put one past Ronta, but so, you know I'm not going to go full Ronta, but you've definitely convinced me to maybe go five out of twenty lineups with Ronta in it, especially just because of how cheap he is. It'll be easy to fit in Edmonton's one. And then maybe go with a more expensive line like Chicago one, something like that. So, we'll see. All right. Well, there are three games left here, and I think that there's one particular line for each each of the three games. Actually, one of them might have two lines, but the first one to get to, yeah, is, uh, is Calgary. And I think a home game against Mrazek is starting, not Jimmy Howard. So, a little bit of a boost there, getting a backup goalie. I don't have a ton of interest in Calgary tonight. Um, I just like the other spots better, I guess. And Detroit's been kind of decent defensively, but the Monaghan line on the top line, that's a good spot. I probably prefer Ed Edmonton, but 
I'll, I'll have some exposure there. The second line, Backlund, Kachuk, and Frolik. I would like more if Frolik was playing on the power play, which he's not because Yaramir Yager is finally back. He'll probably get hurt again soon, but he's playing the second power play time over Frolik. So I may not end up going there on Calgary 2 because of that, uh, but I think both of those top two lines are in play. Yeah, I mean, Detroit is 11th and expected goals against 5-on-5 five five this year. Um, I definitely like the Flames. Um, with the Flames, I always... Ha- I hate for Leak being on that second line. It just... I like to chuck. I don't mind Backlund. But for Leak, is just a pain in the ass. He doesn't really have any kind of production on that line. Um... I'd almost rather Bennett. He's so young and he's so skilled. I'd love to see them give him a shot on the second line. And he does play on the second power play with those guys. It's literally to Chuck Backlund Bennett. So that would also be nice to give it a little more correlation. So I think if I was to go with the Flames, I think I'm probably going to lean with that first line, Goudreau, Monaghan, and Furland, and uh, get that first line power play correlation. Um, and I definitely do like it against Morazic at home. Um so while I while I'm probably going to go a little bit more heavy on Edmonton, this will probably be my only other expensive line tonight. Yeah, I hadn't actually. I needed to refresh the page there because the Furland on the first power play is actually a recent development. They were playing Versteeg and Brower, who are both fourth liners on the first power play. So now this is this is probably the first game of the year where Furland's playing on the first unit, and I don't think we've seen Flames top line power play correlation yet. So I definitely like them more. With that being the case, I'll say that I'm interested in Flames 1, but probably not going to use Flames 2. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to go Flames 2. Um, and the good thing is, like we said, that that uh, Edmonton 1, it's 20.7. That's a little bit more expensive. This is 18.6, and I know there's a little bit more of an expensive line that we still like that we're going to get to. So to have a little bit cheaper of an expensive option in Calgary that you could fit with someone like a Chicago one, an LA one, that'll be nice tonight. All right, moving on. There's one pretty awesome line in the Vancouver-Anaheim game. They've been in the winning lineup probably as often as any line in hockey this year, with the exception of probably the Stamkos and Kucherov line. Uh, So Horvat, Besser, and Bershti are still priced at an insanely low number. Horvat at 5K, Besser 4.9, Bershti 4.3. They've been recently moved from the second line to the first line, so probably a little bit more ice time. They all play on the power play together, and they're facing the Ducks' backup goalie. The Ducks also just haven't been that good this year. Uh, as always, they'll have reasonable ownership, but it's been a couple games since they really went off. Their best game of the year was probably Saturday night, and then they've had two semi-duds since then. So even though the ownership won't be nothing... It'll be low enough that I think it's still worth using them. Uh, They're basically in play always as a cheap line, and this is no different in a matchup against the Ducks' backup goalie. Yeah, Anaheim's uh, 14th in expected goals against, so they're middle of the road. Um, I like Vancouver in this spot a lot, uh, especially because, like you just said, the recency bias, we always talk about how it's annoying when like bad people score goals when we're watching DFS through flash score. And um, yeah, Vancouver last game, like the Sedine line went off. And so I think that probably annoyed people who thought that they'd get that production from the Horvat line. And I think that'll scare them off tonight, at least with so many other options. 
Um, I think people will look away from this line saying, like, eh, I got burned already and I don't want to go back to the well. And I think that could be a uh, little bit of a contrarian pick where it's where it shouldn't be. Yeah, I, I won't call them my favorite cheap line because there are some really strong spots for tonight, but some exposure for sure because they're they're just really good and there's always a lot of potential for them. Yeah, 14.2, um, and they're on that power play together. They're one of those lines with power play correlation, and they're all on that first line together. Um, plus, you got to think, with the Sedins having their first game of production, they're probably exhausted, those old fucks. So, <laughs> so uh, time for the young guys to step up tonight again. Yeah, definitely. That's a that's a good point that I did not consider that maybe is ridiculous and maybe could mean something. Who knows? No one else is thinking that way. That's why we're going to win tonight. Yep, that's definitely. That's why people come to us. So there's, a, there's another line that we haven't talked about yet that I probably like more than the Horvat line, and they're cheaper. Uh, so the Kings-Lightning game, that's the last game of the night. Tampa Bay just had a really impressive win in San Jose against the Sharks. Vasilevsky is getting the night off, so Peter Budai, is that, is that how you say that guy's name? He's getting yeah, a start. Okay, whatever. I don't care how you say his name because he's going to give up a lot of goals. Uh, so the Kempe pearson Foley line, the second line for L.A., they've been in some really high-scoring lineups too. They've had a couple of very strong games this year. They're just good scorers overall, and they tend to get pretty low ownership because it's a second line. And they're also playing against Tampa, who has been the best team in the NHL this year. The reputation maybe is a little excessive for them. I don't know if people are comfortable really stacking against the Lightning, but this is an offensive-based team. The reason Tampa is good is because they score a ton of goals. They're not that good defensively, and they also have a backup goalie in. So I actually like both lines, both of the top two lines for L.A., but especially the second line because they're so much cheaper. You get power play correlation there. They might be better overall than the first line, but it's probably a good spot for both of them. Yeah, I actually I had to put my hand up on this one. I could not believe when I was looking at Dustin Brown on the first line with Anze Kopitar. I thought it was the dumbest move of all time. It's been productive this year. Somehow, some way, um, they've been productive. You got Ayafalo on that line as well. Unfortunately, Ayafalo is not on the power play with them. Uh, Camilleri is up on that line, and then it's Martinez and Doughty. But like you said, that second line's also had a lot of production, and that also gives you that second line uh, power play correlation that Pearson can be to Foley line. If you are going to use that second line, which I definitely think I will be also, um, I would go with Muzzin because Muzzin's on that second power play, um, so that's a good spot for him. Um, you yeah, also have Fantenberg, who... Fontenberg, Fantenberg, I don't know. He he plays on the second power play, too, on D, and he's only 2900 So that's way cheaper than Muzzin if, if you're in a lineup where you need to save money. Yes. Who is that? Fontenberg? Yeah. Fontenberg. <laughs> it's a cool name, also. Yeah, really. The other, uh, the other good, good thing about the Kings' second line is that they're fairly likely to see a lot of ice time against Dan Girardi, and... That's that's just that's just the best. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. That's I mean, who's do we know who's um let me check real quick. Oh yeah, obviously. Tampa and LA at ten thirty. Um yeah, so LA will get first line change too, so you could see Kopitar against that Girardi line. Hopefully Tampa values Girardi as a shutdown defenseman the same way that we did. Because I feel like uh we saw it in the Stanley Cup. Kopitar taking advantage of Girardi, so 
Um, no, yeah, I definitely like the first line. I definitely like the second line. Um, Alex Iafalo, uh, I don't really know much about him, but I, I just know that first line's been producing. So even though he's not on the power play with them, it doesn't totally scare me off that first line. I still do like them tonight. Yeah, and he's really cheap, too, at 3600 so it, it it's a salary saver, even if he's not playing on the power play. But if you're making a lineup where you are using five players from the same team elsewhere, like let's say with Minnesota, where they have two first power play defensemen, um, where it's not a full line correlation for your secondary team, I think it is viable to just use Dustin Brown and Andre Kopitar together and leave off Ayafalo, but I have no problem stacking the whole line either. Yeah. Go with the Ayafalo at 15.7, or with that whole line at 15.7, the Ayafalo brown kopitar line. Um, do we have a price on that second line? Uh, the total price for the second line is right at 14 k so they're cheaper than the Horvat line. They're actually one of the cheapest lines on the board. Yeah, so I'll probably have a good amount of them with Edmonton. And then Jonathan Quick, who you mentioned before, that'll be a pretty contrarian spot for him. He gave up three goals in his last game to the Ducks. He got the win, but he wasn't that good. And it's also Tampa Bay. No one really uses goalies against the Lightning. Um, I guess I prefer Ranta, but... Quick is also worth using. If he ends up having a really strong game, I think very few people will be on him. So that's another goalie worth considering. I think our list of goalies for the night, Ronta, Quick, Talbot, and Crawford, I don't really think I have any interest in anyone else. Yeah, um, if anybody's interested in this, Fantasy Labs does have Quick as the uh, highest rated play tonight. And then Crawford. So, um, and where's Ronta? <laughs> Ronta is, believe it or not, dead last. Oh, well, good. He'll have very low ownership, and when, when he gets his shutout, it'll be very good for us. Yeah, so, no, but they do like Talbot, so, I mean, I think we're looking in the right places at Quick Crawford Talbot, um, and I think, like we said, Ronta's contrarian. We don't expect people to think it's a good pick, and it's kind of like we talked about on that last podcast. You're making that pick going in knowing that, hey, Taking somebody who's a what are they plus one eighty tonight? Yep. Or you know we're betting on somebody basically who's a plus one eighty underdog. But the reason we're doing it is because there's going to be a lot of shots on Ranta, and you know Arizona they are a high paced offense, especially that first line. And you know if we can get that win, I mean that puts us in such a great spot in GPPs where no one else is going to be having you know Ranta as their goalie. And I think that. Uh, I think tonight's a night we could really take advantage. I think podcast listeners at this point probably just think I'm a secret diehard Coyotes fan because I basically pick them every time and every slate that they're on. But they're they're just really underrated. I, I don't I don't care if it comes off that way. And maybe I maybe I am a Coyotes fan now. Yeah, you, you just love all bad teams. <laughs> yeah, that's a good the, way to say you it. You love the Nationals when they were like losing like a hundred games a season. Yeah, I really liked the Astros in 2013. Also, that was my favorite team ever. Yeah, you had them to win the division. <laughs> 56 wins that year. All right, well, that'll wrap up the podcast We before we get sidetracked and move on to other sports that no one cares about. Uh, thanks for <laughs> listening, everyone, and we'll be back tomorrow with basketball.